welcome to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Lawrence Smith. FCS Fans Nation, we, W-E, are back for another episode of the FCS Football Fans Nation podcast. I am one of your hosts, the Unbiased Bison, Mr. Matthew Frazee, and I am joined with both Duke, D-Law, Lawrence Smith, and my screaming, screeching eagle, Kyler Neal. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Kyler, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Lawrence, how are you? Gentlemen, how is it going? I, I'm good. You know, Lawrence is having a way more epic week. All I'm doing is sitting in Houston in the storm. It's raining. It's crappy weather. And that's about all I got. But Lawrence is having a good time. Lawrence, we've missed you. How you been, man? Uh, I'm great. I have been off of the podcast for what feels like a month and a half now. But I, I'm happy to be back. And also, I'm happy to be sitting next to the lovely and beautiful Miss Kelsey. Hi, Hi. Kelsey. Hi, everybody. Holy moly, you guys are in for a treat. Is that my wife? <laughs> the second wife, uh, wife honey, other wife. Oh, the, the other Kelsey. Yeah, my bad. Kelsey. <laughs> this Kelsey is the wife and mom of the FCS Football Fans Nation page for everybody. Kelsey, we'll have you throw some input in here as well. This is going to be awesome, guys. But we have well over 20 questions that have been put to the test for us. So we want to dive right in right away. And it's actually awesome that we got you back on the podcast here, Lawrence, because this first episode, or first episode, see, I'm getting thrown off. Now we're all together again. This first question is for you, man, and it's all about the CAA, and it comes from a great JMU fan, Preston Adams. He wants to know, is the CAA going to cannibalize itself to just two to three playoff slots this year? What do you think about your conference there, Lawrence? I don't see the CAA being limited to three teams and absolutely do not see being limited to two teams. Um, I don't know where we got the idea that two teams is a possibility for the CAA, um, but I'm going with, with four. Four teams after hitting six last year. Um, and remember the research from last week I had looked up since 2015 at a minimum, at a minimum, uh, the at-large bids, there's at least eight of them coming from those Power 3 conferences. So it could be at least probably three of those from the CAA. Kyler, do you see that conference out east getting two to three teams, or do you see them having more again this season? Well, you know, three is always possible in the CAA, Missouri Valley, and Big Sky. Um, I personally still count nine teams from the CAA that are still officially in the running for the playoff bid. So, you know, of course, some will lose, some will lose their chances. Um, but I'm not going to say the CAA is only getting two. That's ridiculous. I still think the CAA, I'm, you know, with Lawrence on this, I think they get four. But three's not out of the possibility if they just start beating each other up, as we saw with the Missouri Valley last year, and we've seen with, you know, the Big Sky multiple years. But I would stick with a safe bet and say four teams from the CA is probably your best bet. I think the more that the rest of the league just eats itself alive, especially, you know, you know, you talk about the CAA cannibalizing itself. Well, the bubble itself continues to cannibalize itself in terms of options for teams to put in. And that's going to benefit the power conferences. They're going to get more looks with teams who are at at least those minimum seven wins. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. But there you go, Preston. We're thinking at least above those two to three slots from your question. 
Good stuff. All right, guys, I want to get your perspective on this because I am an NDSU fan, obviously, unbiased, of course. But Mr. Jamie Williams wants to know, after watching parts of the Dakota Marker game, mostly the second half, he's convinced that James Madison can, not will, beat either of those teams, SDSU or NDSU, due to their ability to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So, based off what you guys saw in that epic Dakota Marker game, which came down to that run at the end, um, Kyler, do you think that James Madison has a you know chance to beat NDSU, SDSU in this situation? Yeah, I think James Madison is playing some of the best football in the nation right now. It's, and I think you know North Dakota State's actually looked fairly vulnerable in now three games offensively, defensively they still look amazing. Even versus you know UC Davis versus uh, Missouri State and versus South Dakota State, where in my opinion their offense has looked vulnerable. But as a whole, their their defense is looking good. But James Madison is looking really good on each side of the ball, and everyone says defense wins. I always say, no, you need a top-tier defense. You need a top-tier offense to win the national championship. And right now, James Madison's in the top 15 in both categories. So, of course, James Madison can beat North Dakota State this year. Will they? We'll have to wait and see. They might not even play each other. Who knows? Both teams could be out prior to the ship. Or maybe, you know, one team is in the ship, one's not. But, yeah, James Madison has what it takes to beat North Dakota State. Absolutely. North Dakota State right now in total offense is at third. James Madison is at fourth. Uh, South Dakota State is there at 10th, but we have an injury now to, sounds like their quarterback Gibbs may be out for a long period of time, which could definitely affect some things for sure. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, we have to look at North Dakota State at 14, James Madison at 12. So these categories are all going to be very similar. It's just like, I think, Jamie, you're right on your hunch. James Madison is good enough to beat either of these teams. There's no doubt. But what do we see in a head-to-head matchup? Do we see Frisco, um, some you know, still argued fumble by Riley Stapleton, and special whoa, teams whoa, 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 taking whoa. over? And, <laughs> you know? and I have a question for you, Matt. You said North Dakota State is number three in total offense. Where are you getting that? I am on the NCAA site right now where you're able to switch in between the categories, NCAA.com. And under football, it says select statistic, and I have total defense and total offense. So Because on my total offense, you are not in the top three. Um, top Total defense, I got us. Yeah, total defense three, James Madison four. But total – no, I'm offense, saying it's wrong. 14 yes. on total yep. offense. You're right. Yep, you're right. I got these switched okay. around. I was going to oh. fight you. I was like, you're you not that good on offense. <laughs> maybe I am a little more biased than I thought. Um, maybe I said it wrong. Total defense, NDSU 3. Total defense, James Madison 4. Total offense, James Madison 12. NDSU 14. So still close. Had the categories wrong. But it will be interesting to see what gives in terms of do you see an SDSU at Bridgeforth style game? Do you see an NDSU against James Madison and Frisco style game? I don't know. Kelsey and... Lawrence, what do you guys think? Do you think James Madison would have what it takes head-to-head to to make that line of scrimmage control and beat these teams that you saw in the Dakota marker? James, you can beat any team in the FCS. North Dakota State can beat any team in the FCS. And South Dakota State can beat any team in the FCS. Um, You know, I don't think we're going to see, if South Dakota State comes back to Bridgeforth, I don't think we're going to see 51-10 to again. Um, either team would be able to win that game and whoever wins that game would be able to beat North Dakota state in Frisco, but North Dakota state also could beat either of those teams. They're 
pretty clearly the top three, I believe, right now. Um, and it's just going to depend on the day who comes out on top. Game planning, coaching, adjustments. It, you know, it's, it's going to be a good game no matter what the matchup is. The injury to Gibbs will be super interesting because we will find out how reliant he was. I know he was out previously in the year against weaker competition, but we'll see how much of a step up he is in comparison to their backup quarterbacks. Um, you know, the game played out how it did, but we'll see how an injury to a quarterback can always impact a season big time. But uh, Jamie, James Madison, a lot of us here have them as our title favorites this year, 100%. Should be able to win that game in some form or fashion, whether it's line of scrimmage or not, for sure. All right, guys, so we have you all the way out there in Cheney, Washington, Lawrence. We have Kyler on the podcast, so I'm going to let you guys take this one. Mr. Seth Meyer wants to know, who do you have in the Big Sky Showdown this weekend between Weber State and Sacramento State? Also, if the winner of that game runs the table, what are the chances they've played their way into a top two seed? Lawrence, what do you think? You got Weber State or Sacramento State taking home a victory this weekend? I've been a big proponent of defense the last couple of years, so I'm going to stick with Weber State on this one. Um, as far as whether or not they'll then play themselves into a top two seed, no, I think JMU has control of that, kind of controls their own destiny. We can argue whether or not JMU deserves control that control or not. Like I know Kyler has said that, you know, if Weber or Sac State wins out, that they probably have the strength of schedule and the resume to jump JMU. I just think the playoff committee is not going to move JMU out of the spot that they've been in since the preseason poll. Kyler, do you think it's possible they move those big sky teams up um, outside of maybe a name recognition call? Well, well, like I said on, you know, the, on the page quite a bit, I said, if Weber wins out, they will probably have the best overall resume um, and they will be deserving of a top two seed, of course. But like Lawrence said, I also don't think the committee or James Madison has shown enough to push Weber State above James Madison at the same time. So I think no matter what, whoever wins out, if North Dakota State and James Madison wins out, probably gets the three seed. But for this specific game, you know, Lawrence said he believes in defense. Sac State on paper actually has a better scoring defense. You know, they're holding teams to less points, which is crazy. Who would have ever thought at the beginning of this year, uh, you know, Sac State versus Weber State would be a top four seeded type of game. Um, I didn't. Um, all season versus the FCS, I think Sac State has pretty much looked like the best team. They have not struggled. Um, on paper, they're better. On the eye test, they're better. But I'm actually going to kind of give Weber State the win in this one, and it's not because I have any evidence of Weber State being better than Sac State. Like I said, everywhere across the board, Sac State is pretty much better. But I think they're coming in confident. I think Weber State is maybe even pissed off that they've dominated the Big Sky the last couple of years, and they're the underdog in this game, which is probably pretty weird to them. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't anticipate anyone being able to jump James Madison or North Dakota State unless one of them has a loss and a Weber or Sac State team wins out. That's the only way one of them will jump James Madison or North Dakota State, in my opinion. Okay, I am totally with you guys on the seeds. I could not disagree with you more on the outcome of this game. So we're at Sacramento State, first off, because I always hear about how great Weber State's home field advantage is, which it is. I get that. But I have not been high on Weber all year, as you guys know. Um, and just my basis for why I'm going to pick Sacramento State in this is Sacramento State so far has shown me more 
Um, at number 14, Montana State, they won. At number 8, Montana, they won. Um, they've kind of played the toughest part of their schedule outside of what they have left with Weber. Weber still has to play Sacramento State, now ranked UND. They have to go to Montana. And their only ranked win is against UNI, who I'm not high on because I think they lack offensive firepower. Both have two FBS losses. They're both 6-2. and two. I think if I just look at it on paper with a team with Sacramento State that averages 40.9 points per game and only gives up 19, compare that to Weber with 30 points per game and 20.4 points per game allowed. Now, FBS could skew that a bit, but they didn't get blown out in their FBS games. So I'm, I just think from eye test and looking at it, at home, give me Sacramento State 100% over Weber this week. Well, yeah. I, I think that it's a lot. That, that's what I was saying. The eye test, everything points to Sac State, in my opinion. All the stats pretty much point to Sac State. They have the Walter Payton favorite, early favorite right now, Kevin Thompson, who's pretty much having four touchdowns a game, which is insane. You know, that's his average. Um, every, every part of me should be saying Sac State's going to win this game. For some reason, I just don't think they are. Um, the, these two are... These two teams are really good, though. In my opinion, you know, Lawrence said South Dakota State is probably the third best team. He said those NDSU, JMU, and South Dakota State are easily, you know, the three best teams. I actually think Sac State and Weber would beat South Dakota State and could compete with James Madison in North Dakota State any given day. We'll have to see if it plays out that way. So this is a really fun matchup to have, um, especially when, you know, Sac State, no one's really... I wouldn't say no one's heard of them. They've been around for a long time, but they haven't really reached their potential. And it's a huge school, huge market, great recruiting. Um, now they have a great coach and we can see them maybe start to take off. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just going to pick Weber State and I don't know why. I don't have any reasoning for it. All conventional logic says pick Sac State. Therefore, I am going with Weber. <laughs> <That's You're getting laughs> You guys are literally pulling the uh, Matt picks Maine over Eastern Washington argument. So we know yep. how that plays out in the end. So the Hornets <laughs> are going to end up end up on top. Uh, Kyler, I just want a little bit of continuation with you because Rebecca Olson actually asked. Um, she has a new job that she works Saturdays now. And she's wondering, since she can't really see, she didn't get to see the game, is Sacramento State really this good? Or is the rest of the big sky, Montana and others, a little bit overrated? You kind of answered this already, but dive a little bit more into Sac State and what you know about them. Yeah, so Sac State, in my opinion, has looked every bit impressive to me. You know, they're winning games by an average of 44 to 17 versus the FCS. They've already played some of the top offenses in the FCS, and they've kind of crushed them. In my opinion, the big sky this year is actually better than the previous two years. The conference right now looks like an pretty much an easy four-bid conference, plus, you know, North Dakota, who is an independent, but they're playing a big sky schedule. Um, so that's really technically almost five teams from the big sky that should make the playoffs. Um, and Sac State hasn't looked like they've really struggled versus anyone. Um, they took Arizona State down to the wire, who has three top 25 wins them on the season. You know, them and Weber, in my opinion, right now look to be the best of the big sky. And, you know, we saw how Sac State dominated Montana. In my opinion, it shows they are the real deal. But, of course, we'll have to wait and see, you know, how they look when they face Weber, who, in my in my opinion, is the top tier of the big sky with Sac State. And both teams have potential to make it to the semis. So I would say Sac State 100% looks impressive. Um, we'll have to see if it lasts. Anything can happen, especially like this year in the big sky. We've seen a lot of craziness in the big sky this year. So anything can happen. They can fall apart. Um, but right now, the big sky overall looks really impressive to me, and Sac State even looks more impressive. 
Awesome. Great analysis. Yeah. Would you say, Kyler, would you say they're kind of like the UC Davis of this season? Is that, is that a good comparable or is that poor? No, I think that's poor because UC Davis last season, they didn't have a good defense. In my opinion, you know, teams were still scoring 28, 30 points against UC Davis where versus FCS teams. And like I said, Sac State has already played some of the best offensive FCS teams. They're holding teams to an average of 17 points per game. Uh, they're almost identical to last year's Eastern Washington team when you're talking about points scored versus points against. Um, their numbers are almost very similar to Eastern Washington last year. Ah, good stuff. I like that. Good answer. All right, Rebecca, hopefully that helps you out. Hopefully the new job's going great too. All right, guys, this is from Grant Thompson. He's a diehard South Dakota State fan, and he needs your help here. Who would win a fight between a McChicken sandwich and a grilled stuffed burrito? Lawrence, who would win a fight between a McChicken sandwich and a grilled stuffed burrito? What do you got for Mr. Thompson there since he's clearly avoiding some uh, football talk this week? Look, this one is very simple. It's the burrito, no questions asked. It's compact, contained, and hefty. Uh, you know, it's like a wrecking ball. You, that thing comes in swing and it's going to obliterate the sandwich, you know, on the first blow. That burrito is going to reduce the chicken sandwich to just ingredients in short order. Yeah, give me the burrito every day. I'm going to go burrito up front, but later on in the day, all the injuries slowly take its toll to hurt the burrito way more from the McChicken sandwich. Because anything from McDonald's up front really isn't that bad and seems nice. And then a couple hours later, you totally pay for it. So, <laughs> Kyler, do you, do you have one? Do you have one between these two? I'm, yes, I got Kelty on that. I, yes. So I, I didn't know if this was a Taco Bell question. I love Kelsey's laugh, by the way. I didn't know if this was a Taco Bell question. I just took it as, you know, a stuffed burrito. And I was like, of course, a stuffed burrito is going to win because there's endless opportunities of what you could fill in that burrito. You know, the chicken sandwich is literally just a McChicken. It's a fried piece of crappy chicken. It's not Popeye's. It's not Chick-fil-A. Um, but that burrito, dude, burritos are, are like the new hipster. They're sushi burritos, man. Compact rice, fish, beats the crap out of a chicken. There, there you go, Mr. Thompson. There's no debate. It, it looks like the burrito is 100% going to come out of the ring victorious in that matchup. All right, guys, going back to some FCS football. We actually have a few more of those fun questions, so I'm looking forward to them. Um, looking at this one here, if North Dakota State were to leave the Missouri Valley, would the Valley continue being a top three conference? This is from Mr. Adam Peterson, and it's been discussed a lot on our page. Uh, I'll get your guys' opinions on this uh, because, you know, I'm obviously from the Valley. I'm going to let you go, Kyler. What do you think? And then uh, Lawrence will get you too. Kyler, what do you think about NDSU leaving the conference? So, so is this like NDSU is – not an FCS team Let, at all. Yeah. Like they didn't join let's the say, conference. Let's say they go up to the MAC and uh, nobody replaces and we're back to 10 teams in the Valley. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think just you can even look at if NDSU wasn't in the Valley this decade because that would be a good comparison. Um, they would still easily be a top three conference. Uh, it just wouldn't be as highly regarded as it is right now. You know, um, Illinois State, they would probably have a championship right now if North Dakota State wasn't here, and if they're gone, um, you know, you have South Dakota State who can easily fill in North Dakota State shoes right now. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say without North Dakota State, what other conference outside maybe the Big Sky and CA would, would be able to beat one through ten teams? Um, I'm not going to put any money on the Southland, the SoCon, the OVC to, to go toe-to-toe with their best versus their worst. So, yeah, Missouri Valley, with or without North Dakota State, 
is still a top three conference. It's just, would they be number one or would they be closer to three is more of the question. Right. And South Dakota State's getting to a semifinal. Um, you know, they met them in a second round quarterfinal and a semifinal. So especially last year, I don't think anybody thinks South Dakota State would lose to anybody else besides uh, NDSU on that side of the bracket. So they're probably in Frisco last year and who knows what happens. But And then you have Illinois State who made it back in the day. You had Youngstown who got on a run and beat a bunch of teams. So the Valley still has a lot of power there. It's just NDSU elevates it so much to where we scream the best all the time. You know, riding NDSU's coattails happens a ton. But if you took them out of the mix, you're still going to see teams that are really good in recruiting and play really good physical football. So, Lawrence, what do you think more from like the CAA mindset if the Valley were to lose North Dakota State to FBS? It's not really a hard question. The Valley's got enough strong teams that even without – you know, the greatest FCS team of all time that yeah, it would still, it would still be a power conference. For the record, he did use uh, quotes on that air quotes. Just, I wanted to emphasize that a little See, bit. This so. is why we need you on here, Kelsey. Otherwise nobody would know about those air quotes. Hey, go Marshall. <laughs> awesome. All right. So the Valley would be just fine. Maybe not ripping off a championship every year, but they'd be still doing really well there. Great question. Not, not every year. Not every year. Yep. So they kind of power threes kind of do rotate within themselves as well, which is cool. All right, guys. How much did the bubble shrink this weekend? Mr. Brandon Owens. He likes to do his uh, bubble comparison. He likes to put it down on a sheet, put up his little playoff matchups, which are awesome. Thank you so much, Brandon, again for being on our show and backing us up uh, the week where I was going to go solo again. Guys, what do you think, Lawrence? Did the bubble shrink a ton this weekend with all these losses that happened? The funny thing is when everyone loses, nobody loses. So I don't, you know, yeah, a couple teams are out of the playoff race, but I don't really think the bubble shrank that much this weekend. Kyler, do you think teams are gone or still here? Yeah, so I've actually been keeping track the last two weeks, and I actually have a list of teams that I still think are eligible. Um, Right now, there's still 54 teams that are still technically playoff eligible, in my opinion, last week. Um, So that means there's about 30 teams still available on the bubble if we're doing 24 teams. Last week, there's about 40-ish teams. Now, of course, I'm not banking on 30 teams being bubble-ish teams. Um, Those teams are going to lose. I have a lot of teams projected to lose, and then, of course, they'll kick themselves out of my playoff bubble. Um, I'd say, realistically, we have about 10 teams where they can be, you know, they can make an argument to be in or out of the playoffs, and I don't see that 10 shrinking drastically. Um, The bubble, in my opinion, this year is larger than it's ever been. You know, maybe, and I don't know if that's, that's a, hey, here's so many teams that deserve to be in the playoffs, or is it more, we have too many teams that don't deserve to be in the playoffs this year. That was kind of my argument last year. Maybe we didn't have 24 teams that deserve to be in the playoffs, so the bubble was a little larger because you can make an argument that maybe from 17 to 24 didn't deserve to be in the playoffs, but then from 25 to 28, they could switch places with anyone in there. Um, But yeah, realistically, there's still 54 teams that are technically playoff eligible um, that will eliminate themselves, but I would say there's about 10 legit bubble teams right now. Kyler, how do you think the 12-game schedule affects teams at the bubble and things like that? Is it as simple as just one extra game for everybody, or is, is there anything more to it? No, it it made it really difficult, especially when you're looking at you know Big Sky or teams that scheduled multiple D2 teams or multiple FBS, because then it really gums up the work, because you need a specific amount, I would say seven 
from a power three conference, you need seven wins, seven D one wins. Well, Portland state, they could easily get seven wins this year. Two of them are going to be D one or D two. That's going to hurt. So I think this 12 game schedule kind of made it a little more murky because you're going to have some conferences with nine wins, 10 wins. And you're going to say, are they really better than the conferences that maybe had a couple FBS or, you know, multiple FBS games and maybe had 71 wins. I don't think they are, but who knows? So I think having a 12 game schedule, especially with multiple D twos on on a lot of team schedules, surprisingly, and multiple FBSs, really makes it a little tougher to prep for instead of maybe just one FBS team that you're scheduling. Um, yeah, I think I think you got a little more murky if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Great stuff, man. Lawrence and Kelsey, if you're available. Chris Lamb wants to know he's trying to make his pick for the Kennesaw and Monmouth game coming up. He thinks both teams' resumes are as close as it gets as it gets to even. Who is more impressive to you guys and what's your pick? Is this effectively the Big South Championship? And he wants us all to know that he's leaning towards Monmouth. And as we know, Monmouth has two losses. They lost to Montana pretty bad, 47-27. And they got beat by Western Michigan, which is FBS. They actually had an overtime win over Albany, which we probably didn't think much of being in the year, but that's actually really impressive. And they've just kind of killed everybody as they're playing into conference play. Kennesaw, as we know, only has the one loss to Kent State in overtime and hasn't played the strongest strength of schedule. Lawrence, and then Kelsey, what do you think about the Big South? Who do you think is going to win it, and who do you think wins in this matchup, Kennesaw or Monmouth? There's not really a um, – I wouldn't call either resume impressive when you compare it to like the rest of the FCS, but the more impressive one, I'm going to go with Monmouth. That being said, I think Kennesaw is going to win this game and then end up winning the winning the conference. Do you think that's uh, more having to do with a home field advantage, or do we do you think Kennesaw is still what we saw last year in terms of that not really a drop off versus that Big South competition? I I don't think there's a whole lot of difference this year between Kennesaw and and last year. Gotcha. And do you think between these two teams, this is where we're seeing it? Like, if Mamet does win it, are they probably going to be the team we're going to see rolling all the way to that Big South title? With uh, remaining games, they're going to have North Alabama at home, they're going to go to Campbell, and then they're going to play Hampton to end the season. Well, uh, how do we think the Campbell game is going to go? I actually think it's going to be Campbell that uh, wins the Big South. They're going to shock everybody. Kyler's going to laugh at me, and I don't care, but it's going to happen. They're, they're riding a six-game uh, school record, I want to say, winning streak, and <laughs> continue, okay? Enjoy it. There we go. We are recording this on hump day, and uh, you heard it here first. The Campbell Camels are going to win the conference. You heard it from me first, everybody. I mean, look, honestly, like, they, they, have, they have the world at their feet if you actually look at it. I mean, they've got a win at North mm-hmm. Alabama here coming up, but they get Kennesaw at home, and they get Monmouth at home after that, so... Uh, can they go? Yeah. I mean, Kyler's not as sold. I know as we talked pre-show, but we'll have to see if the camp, if Campbell pulls it off, then Kelsey runs the podcast. We're all done after this. We, us three are done. So, all right, guys, hopefully that answers your question, Chris, which is good stuff. All right, guys, this will be interesting for you guys. Mr. Mike Schnell wants to know, does the NDSU win cement them as clear national title favorites moving forward? Or does that game just show more potential vulnerabilities? Ooh, I like this one. All right, Kyler, you were most invested besides myself kind of checking that game out. Vulnerabilities or clear title favorites? What do you think? Um, This is kind of a, a trick question because 
in my opinion, NDSU looked very vulnerable on sun, you know, on Saturday. But again, they didn't play a bad team. So so let's you can look vulnerable against good teams and still come out with a win. Um, and it's still overall impressive. But in my opinion, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, NDSU's actually looked vulnerable on offense three different times this year, in my opinion. Um, but you know what? It, it doesn't matter because I still think, you know, this game kind of cemented them as the overwhelming favorite uh, across the board, across the majority. Do I think they are the overwhelming favorite? No, but across the you know the board and um, probably the playoff committee's eyes, this just cemented their one seed, um, and they will be the easy betting favorite to win a national championship. But they do have vulnerability, but at the same time, they're still a really good team and, and good teams can show vulnerability throughout the season. It depends on how you adapt and if you can still win in those vulnerable moments. And NDSU has shown they can still win when they are vulnerable. Yeah, and we see with NDSU and SDSU historically, I posted this on the page and we've talked about on the podcast a bit. One of the games when they play each other is super tight. And then the next game they play each other, if they match up in the playoffs, which has happened a lot, seems to kind of be a blowout. So it. You know, history tells us that that was our close game, and we'll see who comes out on top maybe for a larger victory come playoff time. Uh, 2012, three-point victory for NDSU, and then 27 points when they met again. Um, 2015, 21-point victory, and then a two-point game. So, or a three-point game, I'm sorry. It's just, it's crazy how that plays out in between those two matchups. I just think, like, if you saw James Madison and NDSU, I think it would look a ton like what we saw against South Dakota State and NDSU. Um, I think both defenses would play well. It's going to come down to some key play. Every small little penalty is going to matter. Turnovers are going to matter. I think that would look exactly the same. Lawrence, Kelsey, see some vulnerabilities there for NDSU, or do you, you maintain them as national title favorites? I, I think both premises of this question are true. Yes, this game is going to make, like Kyler said, make NDSU clearly the betting favorite if they weren't already. Um, but also, yeah, we saw some vulnerabilities again, like he said, for maybe the second or third game this season. So, yes, NDSU is the national title favorite. But may- Kyler said, I forget the exact phrase you used, Kyler, but um, I don't know that it's, you know, 100% like, oh, yeah, they're the favorites and there's no one else. Um, it's like- the vulnerabilities that we showed. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, last year, even though my team was playing in the title, what did I tell you guys? If I was betting anything, I would bet on North Dakota State. I said they have looked the best throughout the whole year. You know, if there's one team that could beat them, it's potentially Eastern Washington, but I would not make that bet. And in our last podcast last year, I picked North Dakota State to win. This is a year where, looking at North Dakota State, I don't think they are the overwhelming title favorite, but they will be the overwhelming betting favorite. Yeah, but- yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you you may not have believed in your team last year, but if if JMU and NDSU make it to Frisco, I'll bet on the Dukes. I think that's how a lot of people feel is where it's, it's come back down to just those few elites. And if they match up, you know, it's you're going to have to really split hairs to try to find that winner. So I would not say clear like- title favorites, but I would say um, I don't know if there was many vulnerabilities besides some uh, lots of penalties on NDSU. But I don't know if there was as many vulnerabilities as people thought. I think that was just NDSU, SDSU, smash mouth football. I mean, we, we heard – maybe you're not seeing the vulnerabilities, but we heard a lot about this Trey Lanskid and how he blew out the gates when he wasn't playing good competition. Now he's had, what, one touchdown in the last three games total? Something like that? 
they, they've been struggling on offense, especially against Missouri State. They held Missouri or Missouri State held you guys at 22 points. No one else who has played Missouri has scored under what 35. There so is vulnerability. I, I, I looked up an interesting <laughs> stat: 2011 and 2012 NDSU. We had 18 games that where we won less than 22 points, and NDSU fans, I, I remember that time, were pumped. Like, I mean, that was like the epitome of just, like, just awesome, right? So I, I apologize. Eight games a year, so 16. So. It's amazing now with expectation what we want. Like if we had beat Missouri State 22-0 in 2011, 2012, it would have been just, oh, yes, that's Bison football. Smash mouth, offense got 20, let's go home. But uh, we, we got so used to Easton Stick last year and a 15-0 team just running on both sides of the ball that now what used to be the strength of NDSU, which was great defense and you just get enough points to win, uh, is seen as almost a weakness. So the complaining is always going to be there. The vulnerabilities, you're 100% right. The offense can't go up and down the field the way it did last year. Um, Trey Lance is just, he's ex- everything that what NDSU wants, just with more, you know, special talent, I would say. He's already just, got the athletic ability, but yeah. he wants, he's what NDSU wants, which is kind of like what JMU wants. You know, he's a Troy Aikman. You know, he's going to win the games, make the right decisions. He's not going to cost you anything. Well, and, and we still have to realize Trey Lance is having one impressive season for a freshman. He's a freshman. I I would not bet on many freshmen, you know, to, to run an offense like Trey Lance has. So as, as much as I am saying that there is vulnerability in the offense, it's a freshman running this offense and he's still playing damn good football. Well, it looks like Matt might not be able to reconnect with us. Kyler, uh, do you want to run through the speed round questions uh, and see if we can eventually get Matt back on here? All right. Unfortunately, guys, that um, Fargo internet is as good as advertised. Matt Frazy lost connection. It's a beautiful day in Fargo, and there's still no internet because basically North Dakota is Canada, and we all know they are 40 years behind still using dial-up. Sorry, all well, uh, listeners. I joke. I kid. Um, I apologize. But with how many issues we've had with Matt and his internet, I think it's kind of true. <laughs> um, so so I'm going to run the show, and then when he jumps in, you know, we can give the hosting duties back to him because he's way better than it at than I am. But um, Lawrence, Kelsey, who are your top eight seeds in order after week eight? And then how many of those top eight do you think make the semis? And if so, which ones do? If you have an answer, we'll start with Lawrence. You know, I... I only gave six because you get to seven and eight. It's it's two up in the air depending on, you know, is the committee going to allow three seeded teams from the same conference? Are they going to give one to like, you know, like Colgate got one last year. So, you know, a smaller conference that maybe is unexpected. Um, so I gave six. And in order, I've got North Dakota State, James Madison, Weber State, South Dakota State, Sacramento State, and I believe may, you know, we can argue whether or not they deserve it, but I do believe the committee is going to give a seed to Kennesaw if they went out. And, and which teams do you think can make the semis out of those? Um, my top five, NDSU, JMU, Weber, SDSU, and Sac State. Kelsey, do you have any seedings, or are you going to give me the finger? Give me the finger, but I will tell you, I, I'm looking at what he has right now. I do not agree 
with Sac State at a five. I actually think they're going to go at home this weekend. They're going to beat Weber pretty bad. And that gives them a better resume, honestly, than everybody above that list. And I think they get a two seed. I really do. I think they win out. Yeah. If, and I, hey, I'm sorry, Dukes fans. You guys know I love you. And I know Lauren wants to punch me in the face right now, but it's just, it's facts. I mean, they just have a better resume. They, yeah, in my opinion, I agree with you 100%. If Sac State or Weber State wins out, they will each have better resumes than, in my opinion, North Dakota State or James Madison. I just still don't think the committee will drop either of them below. So even if it's deserving, I, I don't feel the committee will drop them just because also oh, yeah. North Dakota State and James Madison hasn't given enough information to drop them, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I agree with that too. But, but yeah. so Adam Lilly's question was, you know, after week eight. So I don't think he's even doing a projection on, you know, who wins out. So after week eight, here are my seeds if the season ended today. North Dakota State number one, James Madison two, Weber State three, four Sac State, five South Dakota State. Then I do have Montana at six if the season ended today. They're only lost to Sac State. That's not that bad. Um, then, like Lauren said, I, I don't think that this team – really deserves it with their strength of schedule but um they're undefeated and i would probably give the seven to kennesaw state and then um illinois state would be in my number eight right now i think they're going to lose a couple games which will drop them out of the seating but if it ended today illinois state is in my top eight now out of those um which ones do i think are gonna you know make the semis i actually am gonna go with the four teams that i think are playing the best football right now and that is north dakota state james madison sac state and weber state i think those four are actually playing better than south dakota state and i think they have the best shot to make it to the semis all right in any disagreement or should i move on or has matt jumped on you'll have to tell me because i am not i'm looking at a piece of paper no it's uh it's just just the three of us still okay awesome um so we got a question from Brad Jans. This is a long one, but he asks, after week two, I asked what percentage chance you'll give the Bison to run the table and go undefeated in the regular season and, you know, then go undefeated in the playoffs. Matthew Frazee was absent on that podcast, but Kyler Neer and Lawrence Smith, you know, us, if you will, they gave the Bison about a 10% chance in the regular season to go undefeated and then a 20% chance in the playoffs. With how the Bison is still undefeated with four weeks to go, you know, Lawrence, what is your percentage you give them right now? And Kelsey, since Matt is gone, I think you can answer all of these questions. So what percentage do they go undefeated right now? And then, you know, uh, do you think they would break their previous win streak of 33 wins? Um, I give them a 90% chance to go undefeated through the regular season. I think Youngstown might be the only team that could possibly give them fits, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. So 90% regular season. Uh, if they do that, then they just have to win one playoff game to get to 34 wins and have the, the new record. I think they will break that record. I think they'll get to, to 34 wins, but I'm only giving them, I'm staying with the 20% chance that I gave them earlier to go undefeated in the playoffs because having to play you know, potentially like South Dakota state and JMU, you know, in consecutive weeks. Um, yeah, I, I just think the possibility of the bison getting tripped up is higher in the playoffs. Of course, if you're playing elite opponents every week, your, your chance of losing is higher. So 90 and 20. Kelsey, what, what percentage chance are you giving the bison to go undefeated and win the whole thing? 
Okay. No, I'm not doing this. You what? know, I'm going to vomit. Like, I feel like I'm going to vomit. You know how I am. Okay. Well, you just tell us when you want to jump in. Okay. I, I honestly, though, like off the record, I really don't know why anyone doubts them. It is, I'm kind of jealous. That's why you better edit this out. Cause I never will admit that to anybody. How they just can lose coaching and like players, like for big class, just like Eastern just did. And look at the difference. I mean, that says a lot about that program, you know, and makes me jealous. I, I don't know. I wouldn't bet on, I wouldn't bet on any of them. Unless South Dakota State is not as good as we're all thinking they are because South Dakota State did struggle against some really bad opponents in the beginning of the year. Just saying. Um, yeah. So, Kelsey giving the Bison a 100% chance no, to run the table. No, I'm not saying that, but <laughs> but it's impressive. I mean, just again, and you know, the Bison fans and I will freak out by me even putting Eastern and them in the same kind of comparison, but it's just crazy to think that look where we are today yeah. and look where they are today. Primarily, kind of a lot of the same losses, you know? And so it's. I think they have way I more losses than we out. had, which is making it even. Well, tougher. yeah. <laughs> Tougher pill to swallow, um, but it is what it is. Cut that out because that makes yeah. me, that's making me mad to hear that. Yeah. Later, so. No, you're good. We will. Um, yeah, so I will say, looking at the schedule, I think the Bison 100% went out. Um, and yeah, I'm actually going to give them a 100% chance to win out. If they lose one of the games in the regular season, I think that is now disappointing because Youngstown State is not looking the part, in my opinion. You know, they dropped three straight and then they, they finally won against a bad team this last week. Youngstown State is their toughest task yet um, on on the rest of their schedule, and they do not look impressive enough to beat the Bison. But I'm going to be pretty close to what Lawrence is saying, and I'll say, yeah, 20 to 30% still that they can win the national championship. Um, I do think Lawrence is right. I do think they will break their previous streak because they should be any team in the second round. Um, You know, they should be any team that's not seeded. But I think there's going to be a couple really good seeded teams where if they have to face them in the quarters – semis and championship that might be tough so i'll still give bison probably the highest percentage chance or maybe jmu um to win the national title at 20 to 30 percent but i don't think i'm giving any team more than a 30 percent chance to win the national title right now because i think the field for seeded teams is actually really competitive this year um all right so now we have kind of a a weird random question from brandon anderson but i kind of like it in a battle royale style fight, which of your conference mascots would win? Oh, oh hands down, it would be Swoop. <laughs> this is not a dance contest because Swoop would dominate no. the dance contest. <laughs> no, he's just overall just a badass. He is a badass. Oh, hands down. I mean, I don't even think anyone's close to that. Well, Lawrence, so are we? Are we going like the guy in the in the costume mascots? Because I answered this as if it was like I like the CA as like you know the animal, the true animal. Like who would if you match them that circle, who would eat the other or who would kill? You know, I got very violent with this. So, so that's how that, that's how I thought about it too. And in the CAA, there is only one answer, and that's the Elon Phoenix. He can fly. He's got talons. He's partially made of fire. He's got healing abilities, and if you kill him, he just reincarnates anyways. Like, that's literally unbeatable. Yeah, I. that's a solid answer. For the big sky, you know, the easy answer would be the Grizz, as they're the largest and most ferocious predator in the lower 48 states. But guess what, bastards? It is not the Grizz. I'm actually going to go with the Vikings, because 
I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but the history of the Vikings is pretty impressive. They dominated whole civilizations. So a, a whole bunch of Viking warriors with some swords and bow and arrows, they'll just keep shooting the grizz from afar. And I think the Vikings are the most ferocious and would win in a conference battle style royale. But dance now, up now Kyler. eagles. Now, Kyler, you also have a mythical creature in your conference. Don't sleep on the Thunderbirds. <laughs> the Thunderbird? What is this, Pokemon? Okay, wait, wait. Oh, wait, we're talking about Martha. Have you seen that mascot? No, we're talking about the actual animal. That's what okay, we but the, read the question. It's a mascot, though. I'm just saying, have you seen the mascot? It's like an angry swoop. It's like a knockoff angry swoop. It is. Well, all of southern Utah's outfits and jerseys are knockoffs of eastern Washington as well. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying not right. No. All right, next question. Yeah, you guys Um. Okay, so this one is from from Preston Adams and Lawrence. I'll let you take this first. Can we just squash the rumors that black colleges do not participate in the playoffs? Moreover, that they do play real football. Um. You know, he said it's only in hush corners, but it's getting louder that, um, that I guess, perception. Preston, ignore those voices because ignorant opinions are not worth entertaining. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I, I, that's actually um, very true, and that's a solid answer. My honest answer was like, I haven't seen really anyone say, and maybe I'm, I'm oblivious or I've missed it because we get a lot of posts on our page. I don't think I've seen really anyone say they don't play real football. Um, and I'm not sure where you're seeing that. If they are, then yeah, stick with Lawrence's answer. Please ignore them because they do play real football, of course. Um, but moreover, you know, people are upset that the champs don't play in, play in the playoffs. You know, that's what, in my opinion, separates the FCS from the FBS. Um, I wish for my own selfish ways that they would send their champs in, but I get why they don't, you know, the celebration bowl is freaking awesome. They get way more viewers. It's more money. Um, I get why they go to the celebration bowl, but I wish they did send their champs in the playoffs. Cause I think that's what makes the FCS special as a whole. Um, but yeah, there there's, there's no rumor guys that the HBCUs can 100% play in the playoffs. It's just, they send their champs to the celebration bowl their number two team like in the miac right now they still have three teams that could potentially make it to the playoffs uh maybe not because fma um that florida one is uh they, they're in postseason ban i think because they got in trouble but south carolina state they look like they could be a playoff team north carolina a&t they look like they could be a playoff team depending on which one wins a celebration bowl so we may see an hbcu team in the playoffs guys so please rank them accordingly uh, because they do have real legitimate chances to to make the playoffs. Um, that rumor that they don't make the playoffs is ignorant. They totally do. Um, just sometimes their conference doesn't deserve one since the champs go to the Celebration Bowl. But right now, the, the MIAC looks better than, I don't know, they, they're definitely, they do not look like a bottom two conference in the FCS right now. I'll, I'll say that. Um, do you think we can see a MIAC team in the playoffs? This is not a question. That's on that was asked, but I'm kind of curious on your opinion, Lawrence. Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I don't know if it's likely, but certainly possible. And this year is one of the stronger years in recent memory for that. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, so I hope so because I think it'd be fun. You know, they definitely have some of the best crowds in all the FCS. Um, like Preston likes to say, they have the best bands, which I'm sure that 
that's very true. So it'd be fun to see a couple of them play in the playoffs. I hope it happens. Um, but yeah, guys, get that perception out of your heads. They do participate. They do play real football. If you're seeing that type of a comment, Preston, please ignore it um, because it, it's a ridiculous comment. So um, Scott Moody asks, what teams that lost this weekend probably saw any possible chance for the playoff bid disappear? Um, I'm going to say this. Eastern Washington and Portland State for sure lost their chance. Portland State already has five wins, but two of them are D2. So that really hurts their chance, especially because their hardest strength of schedule is, you know, the next three games. Um, Eastern Washington, in my opinion, we needed to win against Montana to make just to be a bubble team. Well, we lost. I would say our playoff chances are completely out. But then the other teams I have um, that are pretty close you know they probably have to win out is uc davis and delaware just to make the bubble and their schedule looks tough same with towson so those are my teams that are probably out of the playoffs due to the the schedule coming up next where i don't think they'll have so many wins lawrence yeah yeah um i'm i'm thankful that kelsey just had to run out and is not sitting next to me anymore because I, I would fear for my safety if I sat here and said that uh, that Eastern fell out of the, the playoff race. But, she knows. You know, with, uh, <laughs> I, know, I know she knows, but, you know, it's emotional, right? <laughs> it's emotional for most. It, it happens. Even, even if Eastern wins out, they're only at six D1 wins. Um, yep, simply won't be enough to get in. Yep, I totally agree. Um, any other teams that you think are completely out now? I don't know about completely out, but like you mentioned, Delaware, Towson, they've got tough roads ahead of them. They they have to yeah. win out if they're going to be on that bubble. And Towson, we can touch on this one because I believe it's a question coming up. Um, in fact, I'll read okay. it right now. Jordan, Jordan Kendall wants to know, does Towson need to win out for a chance at the playoffs? Or will going three and one over their last four games be enough? I think they do need to win out four and four in the CAA, um, which would be their record. They're one and three right now in the CAA. So if they go three and one, four and four, I don't think is going to be enough to grab that playoff spot. And they've got Delaware, Stony Brook, and Elon left on the schedule, which are all teams that are ahead of them in the CAA ranking. Um, so it's not going to be an easy road for them to the playoffs. They, they have to win all four if they're going to have a chance. Yeah, I, I think three and one might get them in the playoffs. Like that, three and one, you're you're not guaranteed a playoff spot. Like to guarantee one, you need to win out. Um, especially, you know, I think the CAA can potentially still put in four to five teams. I don't think they'll ever get six teams again after their performance last year. Uh, but there's still nine teams, like I said earlier in the podcast, from the CAA that are still officially in the running for those possibly four spots that's what i'm leaning towards the most so just to be safe yeah you 100 need to win out because three and one just only puts you on a bubble but you could be on the wrong side of the bubble 100 with you all right so um let's see joe gas asks now that delaware is out of the playoffs like we just mentioned candy corn trick or treat what is, what does that question mean exactly um is well, well I will just say I am heavily pro candy corn. I love candy corn. It is the most people hate it, but I absolutely love it, especially the pumpkin ones. You know, I think those are even better. Um, but I, I don't understand the question fully, Joe. So I apologize. But 
Yeah, I'll say, sure, candy corn. I like it. Candy corn, treat, not trick, treat. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Um, oh, I get it. I get the question. Now he's basically wondering, you know, if you give candy corn away, is that your opinion of giving a trick to a kid or a treat? Right? Absolutely. I get it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a treat. Absolutely. I love candy corn. All right. So um, Kevin Madal asks, after the events of Saturday, how many playoff bids does a big sky get? Also, is it possible that three of them could be seeded? Do you want to take this one before I do? Yeah, because um, you're probably going to have a way better opinion. So I want to go first so I don't look like a fool right off the bat. Uh, I think the most likely scenario is that all three, big three conferences, get four teams in the playoffs this year. I'm not ruling out three seeds from any one conference. Like I said earlier, it really depends just how the committee is feeling that day. You know, do they do three seeds or do they give one to a team like Colgate from last year? <coughs> Oh, excuse me. Um, you know, does the Ohio Valley or the Southland get a seed over maybe a third Big Sky or a third Valley team? You know, those are all considerations. Three seeds for one conference is possible, but I would say unlikely. Yeah, I I definitely think to me it looks like four teams are probably going to get in. You know, Montana State, in my opinion, can still afford one more loss and be a bubble team. Montana can afford two more losses and still make the playoffs. Weber and Stack State look like, you know, they may only lose one game max, um, but they can afford a couple losses. Uh, so I, I think four teams is still going to get in, plus North Dakota, who is an independent right now. I think they have a chance, but they do play Weber, so that one game might eliminate them. We'll have to kind of wait and see how that plays out. As for seeding, I actually think the Big Sky is going to be a lot like last year where we actually did three see three seeds because at most, Weber State and Sac State, I see with only one zero to one loss. Both of them should be seeded if they have zero or one losses to an FCS. And I think also Montana wins out and their only loss will be to um, Sac State because my weird train of thought is Weber beat Sac State this weekend. So that's one loss for Sac State. Montana beats Weber at Montana, so that's one loss for Weber, and then Montana has one loss. So those are all 7-1 teams with only one FCS loss, and if that happens, then the Big Sky can get three seeds, but if Montana loses one more game, then we're only going to have two seeds from the Big Sky. Um, but I, I do think we're going to actually see a three-way tie for the Big Sky Championship, and that might push it to three seeds, but we should get at least four playoff bids, in my opinion, Maybe three if Montana State can't figure out their life. Hashtag Big Sky Three. Like ways. normal. We love three ways. A menage a trois. Is that what it's called? I believe right. so. Well, hey, there we go. Um, so let's see here. I got to kind of scroll through these because it looks like we went a little out of order. Um, so one question was dedicated to me, and it says, Kyler Neal. Why do you say Weber and Sac State have the strongest strength of schedules other than top teams like South Dakota State, etc.? Um, because they do. I, and so that was from Joan, Joan Exner. Um, right now it's just because they do, and that's, that's the facts. So if you look at the analytical sites, the three major ones, in my opinion, that everyone utilizes, Macy, Sagrigan, and, you know, versus we, we really like because they'll also incorporate D2 and FBS – Right now, they just have a tougher strength of schedule, and their future strength of schedule looks to even be harder. So Sagrigan right now has Sac State at 27 um, spots higher than North Dakota State and 28 spots tougher than South Dakota State. They have Weber State at 9 and 8 spots tougher than you know those two teams. 
Macy's current strength to schedule. And I like Macy a lot because they do a current and future and they do a, a whole bunch of polls from like, it's like 50 different uh, metrics and 50 different other people's polls. So it's a, a cumulative effort, but Macy has Weber state as a number one FCS team in terms of strength to schedule. Uh, Weber at six, North Dakota state at 16, South Dakota state at seven. And then they also predict the future. Sac State will end at 3, Weber State will end at 2, North Dakota State will end at 15, South Dakota State will end at 8, and then versus sports, you know, they have Sac State at 16, Weber at 4, North Dakota State at 28, South Dakota State at 47, so it's just, right now, those are the facts, Sac State and Weber State have had the tougher strength to schedule, and it's going to continue into these next four weeks, where it actually gets a little bit easier for South Dakota State and North Dakota State, and those types of teams. Would you agree, Lawrence? Yeah, I think everything you just said was lovely. Aww, that's cute. Um, so this next question from Danny Johnson. With the Southland having so many evenly matched teams, it looks like if I said it before, the season – or let me read that again. With the Southland having so many evenly matched teams, it looks as if what I said before a season, a two-loss team may win it all. But starting this weekend, teams will start to be eliminated from the championship. I really can't see us having more than one in the playoffs. It's a shame because – any more of the top four um, would do surprisingly good in the playoffs. So my, my question, I guess the question, this is more of a statement instead of a question. Lawrence, do you see right now only one playoff team from the Southland? And also do you think maybe the Southland's underrated and they do have a lot of good teams that could make some noise in the playoffs? I think the Southland is a one bid league this year. You know, maybe the committee is in a really good mood on selection Sunday and gives them two. I just think it's unlikely. Whoever whoever gets that auto bid will probably be the only Southland participant in the field this year. Yeah, um, two weeks ago I was actually looking and doing you know playoff bids and all that jazz. And the Southland, in my opinion, looked like it could have had four teams if the teams did what they were supposed to do. You know, they were looking strong in the the top part of the Southland. I was like, man, the Southland could get four teams. Right now, I only have one Southland team in my top twenty-five because the last two weeks, like you said in the kind of statement, they've kind of started eliminating themselves you know the good teams are losing to the bad teams the bad teams are winning and it's just creating a very evenly balanced cons uh conference without any real top dogs outside of maybe central arkansas so right now i think yeah only one to two bids from the southland is is gonna happen especially if they don't get their act together then if they don't get their act together and the top teams are winning you're most likely only gonna see one bid that's what i have right now in the playoff you know power rankings that i posted today on the page i had the southland with only one win but yeah it's crazy because two weeks ago i had you guys with four different playoff bids and now i only have one so you guys are definitely dominating each other and that could happen in some of the other conferences which could open up another spot for you guys so i guess we only have one more question um, that i skipped over montana state loses to north dakota is North Dakota underrated? Also, how many more games does Montana State lose? This is by Noah Brendam Hall or Brendam Hill. Sorry, Noah. I pulled a Matt Frazee and butchered your last name. Uh, North Dakota's ranked for the first time this season, I believe, this week. But they've got the resume to match a few teams at least that have been ranked for a while. So it does look like the voters are waking up to North Dakota. But in my opinion, they're still underrated, you know, maybe four or five spots, but I don't think it's egregious at this point. What do you, what do you I think? I actually don't think North Dakota is underrated at all. Um, 
they got a weird resume. So, you know, they've been beat badly by Idaho State and North Dakota State and beat easily by Eastern Washington. We ran one play 63 times and still handled them fairly easy. Um, I think, if anything, this game was actually just a mismatch of styles. I actually predicted North Dakota to win on, you know, Tubbs at the Club, the Big Sky Podcast Network, and, and people are like, why the heck are you picking North Dakota to win? And it's literally because... Montana State just doesn't have a quarterback that can throw more than five yards right now, and that's going to be tough because North Dakota does have a very good passing defense. So I thought it was just a mismatch of styles, um, and that's going to make it really tough to beat anyone when you don't have a quarterback in the top 30. Um, luckily for you know Montana State, because the second part of the question was how many more games will they lose, I think they only have one more game that they could potentially lose, and that's Montana. And I, I think Montana is the better overall team than Montana State. This, this is a rivalry game. It wouldn't be far-fetched to think Montana State can pull it off, uh, but I would anticipate Montana State losing. But yeah, for the North Dakota is underrated. I think they are rated properly. They've beaten a couple good teams. You know, They barely beat UC Davis, which isn't looking out to be a good team this year, and that's still a ranked win that people are over overanalyzing um they beat montana state who does not have a quarterback and then you know they've been beat really bad by non-top 25 teams like idaho state beat them by 20 something points eastern washington controlled them easily and eastern washington doesn't look like a top 30 team so i i would say they're ranked properly they could be anywhere between 22 to 30 and i would say that is fair i think that's um, fair. so i think we got through all the questions I don't see any more. Did did Matt send any more that I missed? Um, or is that it? I think we have finished our uh, finished okay, our do list. Do you want to do any closing statements? I know you posted on the page earlier um, this week that we have a potential prize that's going to be handed out soon. Do you? Well, not soon, but yeah, uh, not not even potential anymore. Uh, we are happy to finally announce that FCS. Football Fans Nation will be giving away two tickets to the national championship game to be played in Frisco, Texas on uh, this coming January. Um, We're still hashing out the final details of how those tickets are going to become available, um, but we have the tickets secured. um, So keep an eye on our page, our Facebook, Twitter, um, to find out how you can win two championship tickets for this year. And uh, just as a little asterisk, Let's remember, uh, we have we have the funds to buy two tickets. We do not have the funds to fly you to Texas, so we'll give you entrance to the game if you can get yourself to Frisco. Yep, that would be uh, the determining factor if you can get down there. Um, if not, you know, we will bum them and sell them for two hundred more dollars in the value because if it's North Dakota State and James Madison, we can get our money back. We're joking. We will still give them away. Um, the only other closing remarks I have is, guys, if you enjoy this podcast, please, you know, give us a rating. Five stars would be great. Um, and give us a comment on what you enjoyed. We appreciate all the questions. Sorry, Matt, Matthew Frazee's internet is so bad where he had to jump out and you guys had to listen to me kind of be the moderator. But we appreciate you listening if you made it this far. And it's a fun season so far. So thank you, guys.